Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host, Stratton Brown. I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world to see what moves they've made in their lives to get successful and more importantly, stay successful. I'm here to make sure you can create a better life for you and your family. Let's tune in. Oh, no, we're live. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, don't forget to, if you're watching this on YouTube, go like and subscribe right away so we can get our message out to a couple other people. And if you guys are looking for the best cold callers out there, go to callmagicians.com. And if you guys are looking for the best skip trace data, go to rocketskiptracing.com. And this is my friend, Jeremy Rubin. Um, he's a great investor out of LA. He's going to talk to us a little bit about how he transitioned from corporate life into being a business owner and doing his own thing. Thanks for coming on, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Honored to be here, man. All right, man. Let's start off because I didn't know you worked corporate sales for 13 years. Let's start off. What did you do before all this real estate stuff? Ah, yes. So before real estate, I was working corporate retail straight out of high school. Actually, so in high school, worked at Circuit City. And then that was right around the time when they started planting those Verizon wireless kiosks in Circuit Cities. And I was making $9.10 an hour selling digital cameras and scanners and computers and just doing it for the fun of it. No commission, just wanted to see my numbers, you know, uh, high on the board, wanted to see my name rank high on the on the sales board among across the store and everything. And it's um, so always had that competitive nature. And that's pretty much what drove me to um, – as good as I could at sales was just for the competition of it, just the sheer um, bragging rights and things. And then they planted these kiosks in in circuit cities and the Verizon people are like, hey, why don't you come work for us and make commission instead of just your hourly rate? And a a few months later, I interviewed a few months later, got hired on at Verizon. And then that was the beginning of an 11 year career just before my 18th birthday, actually, into retail. And uh, that was cool for a long time. Loved it. Did part-time, full-time, sales supervisor, assistant manager, manager, sales manager, all, all the whole retail world um, wore all the different hats and worked uh, in six different stores along the Central Coast throughout the district here. So pretty much from Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo and in between and um it was cool for a long time i was a good paying job and i thought it was the best thing ever for a long time until i realized that they needed me more than i needed them like ultimately it came down to i had this epiphany of like okay well i'm still walking into this box every single day and it's like now it's like year seven, year eight. I'm looking around, like I'm seeing all these people coming and going over the years. And um, I kind of like start to think about my long-term goals and my plans. And I'm like, man, so what am I going to do for the next 40 years? Is this, is this it? Is this just corporate life for me? And that that seemed like extremely depressing. That was like, it just sounded like the bad ending to the story like just okay groundhog day for the rest of my life great um and so i decided looking at to look at different business models different home-based businesses different uh you know how to work for yourself um just all those keywords and just google searches of you know how do you make money on your own how do you you know start a business and eventually tried a bunch of different stuff that didn't work out affiliate marketing i tried um Oh, before drop shipping, there was a lot of affiliate stuff back in the day. Um, tried some day trading. Um, even had an auto detailing business, and all of those things were cool as kind of side projects while I was still working at Verizon. But then mm-hmm. I got to the point where um, none of those really were like the path to freedom, to where I wanted to go, to be able to build something and. Um, then I finally stumbled upon the idea of wholesaling real estate, found some, this ad popped up and it was like, you know, what if you could work from home and you could put in, you know, part-time hours, which I don't know about that part, but like 
they made it sound all great. And I was like, well, okay, well, I guess it's decent. So I tried that. And then, uh, so before that, I never knew you could buy a house other than uh, you can buy it with a mortgage or you could pay cash pretty much. Right. That was my understanding of real estate at that point. Um, but the wholesaling thing caught my eye, my ear, my attention. And I was like, okay, well, let me give this a shot. So pretty much just dove into that and dedicated myself from just the moment I woke up till on my way to work, on my lunch breaks, on the way home from work, listening to podcasts, scouring bigger pockets forums, and just trying to figure out this wholesaling thing and how to make it work. And then eventually, after about six months, uh, well, first I studied for about six months, then I started just taking massive action. And it took about another six months of that, of just kind of stumbling and not really knowing what I was doing to get my first deal and put my first property under contract. Um, which I did, which was a mobile home. It's actually a mobile home really? in a park. Not what I expected, but that's what came my way. All from a Craigslist ad, a We Buy Houses Craigslist ad that I put out there. That was my first marketing um, outflow and eventually got some interest and uh, put a property under contract. And it sounds simple now, but at the time I had no idea what I was doing and eventually assigned that contract and made 6,500 bucks. And it was more than I'd ever made on a single Verizon check. So I was like, man, this is real. This is actually like legit. You can actually do this. I better, better that, I mean, other people can do it great, but I can actually do it. So it actually worked for me. So I was like, awesome. And, um, that was it, man. I did some more wholesaling, um, did my first paid marketing campaign, um, took that, those proceeds and put it into yellow postcards um, and just sent out tons and tons of those and started doing some more wholesale deals. And then eventually did my first fix and flip deal, structured uh, seller financing fix and flip deal where I came in with zero down and just maxed out my credit cards and spent what all my savings. The, uh, what was the structure of that? Okay. So they, they own the house free and clear. It was a rental. Been a rental in the family for like 30 something years. Their current tenant that or their last most recent tenant that just left was there for like 10 years, long time. So they didn't really ever have to do any upgrades to the house or anything, just you know, here and there fixing what's broken. So the house was completely outdated, needed a ton of work. Um, so I basically took this approach that I had learned originally at Verizon selling cell phone accessories, um, which is basically the optional close. So we would always bring out, and if you've ever been to a Verizon and probably like an AT&T store or any of those other ones, they're bringing out 10 or 20 different cases for you to look at to put on your phone. Odds are you're probably going to go with one of them versus them bringing out one and you saying, nah, I'm cool on that or, or, or Bluetooth headsets or whatever the case may be. So I applied that. I'm like, okay, well, let's give this seller a few options. So I gave him a cash offer, uh, gave which was the lowest offer. Um, I think it was uh, 183,000. I offered cash. Uh, then I offered two seller financing offers. Um, one where they would basically receive monthly payments for six months, for up to six months. So zero down, uh, monthly payments of $792 a month for six months, and then get paid out at the end. Uh, that would net them like 194, it was like 190,000 plus, uh, plus the interest. And then I had a third option that I didn't really, I just kind of threw it in there just so they'd have another option to choose from, which was uh, six months, same as cash, which was, they would get, that's what, just what I called it at the time. I don't even know if that was the best thing to call it, but it sounded right. So I was like, okay, well here, we'll agree on a price. And in six months from now, when it sells, I'll pay you, uh, 192,500. So we had the low ball cash offer at 183. We had the offer that would net them the most, which I really wanted them to go for, which was the seller financing and where I would pay them 792 a month. And then we had the one where I'd come to the table with nothing until the property sells, which I knew would kind of be the least appealing to them. Cause it feels like I don't really have any skin in the game with that. And, um, Thankfully, they went for the for the uh, option B, which was the the monthly payment and cash them out in six months because I didn't have the cash to buy the house cash, even though I offered one hundred and eighty three grand. 
but uh, kind of strategically position the numbers that way to kind of steer them towards the seller financing option. And they went for it. Where'd you and, learn how to structure that? Ah, uh, that was a mix of the local attending local real estate investor uh, meetings, picked up some knowledge at some of those. Um, quite a bit because before I got into wholesaling, I was exploring like all just like I kind of scratched the surface of wholesaling, but then I'm like looking into lease options and wholesaling lease options and subject to and like all these kind of different, more creative ways to do it. So kind of out of necessity, because I was like, okay, well, how am I going to buy this house with cash that I don't have yet? And uh, without a, and at that time, a hard money lender wouldn't lend me money either. I think hard money has been in the last few years, it's become easier to um, obtain. Um, But the main thing was that I didn't have any experience. They didn't didn't have any track record. So I'm like, okay, how do I get a track record if I can't get the money to build a track record? And so it was kind of the uh, necessity of trying to figure out a way. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll offer them. I knew they were, they own the house free and clear. So that lent itself to seller financing options. You know, I I know him now. What's up, Ryan? He's an awesome guy. He's, um, he's a great video guy. He's legit. Okay. Nice. Cool. Cool. And so, um, I love that, bro, because you just figured out how to do it. Like you just went out there and did it. No track record, no nothing. Like I get, I want to do a flip. How am I going to do a flip? I got to offer owner finance and it just happens. Like most of the time people won't even throw it out there to let it happen is what I see. Like they just don't go out there and throw it. And now we, I offer owner finance on anything that's free and clear. Or if it's not, we offer sub two. Like, Hey, here's what we can do regardless. And then if you're someone who's going to get into it, you can just think of so many other ways if you want to get into a flip and you have no cash or even in a real estate, you have no cash. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hundred percent of the seller finance deals that I've gotten was because I brought it up, not because the seller said, Hey, I'll finance the deal for you. So it's one of those things. If you don't ask, then it's always going to be a no. Oh yeah. And so you learned that. How much did you learn from bigger pockets about wholesaling? Ooh, it's quite a bit, quite a bit. That was like in the beginning, my go-to resource of just scouring through. And I really didn't even know, like, I understood the concept, but since I'd never been through it, I really was kind of just figuring it out step by step. I'm like, okay, the first thing I need to do is get sellers calling me by saying that I pay cash and I close fast and I can buy as is and there's no commissions and no closing costs and all that, then, okay, great. What's the second step? Okay. Bring a contract, bring this two pager over to their house and get them to sign at a price that I know without a doubt will work because I didn't even know really, you know, too much. I wasn't too familiar with values and calculating ARVs, or I guess, I mean, I'm familiar with the concept, but, I had no real world confidence to, to, uh, rely on. It was all just other, what other people had shown me and stuff. That's so hard. that's hard. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So that first one, I was just like, well, you know, they wanted 90,000 for it. And, um, I knew I couldn't pay that much. So I offered them 50 and, uh, I knew I could sell it for at least 60. That was my, my thing. Like I knew like if I get it at a low enough price, somebody will buy it. And they ended up saying no. So they said no. The seller said no. Uh, then a couple months went by and they called me back and they're like, hey, you know, about that. And so I went back out there and ended up getting it under contract at 50, sold it, uh, well, marketed it for 59 and then said I would close the or pay the closing costs on both sides um, just because I wanted the deal to come together smoothly. And um, a few months later, guy uh, pulled money out of his 401k to buy it cash and retire there. So wow. these things. What did you, um, what'd you send it out on? Like, did you post it everywhere? Or like, how'd you do that? Oh, uh, so I went back to Craigslist. I bet my first uh, free marketing. That's how I got the deal. And that's how I ended up marketing the deal to assign it. And it, it worked. It's crazy. That is crazy. And so this deal came from Craigslist, right? Yeah. 
And the yeah, only reason I would be sketched out because I'm like, if they're on Craigslist, they're going to see that thing on Craigslist again. And they're going to be like, well, what's this guy doing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, then it, I don't know if I was just too naive or too determined to make it happen, but it's like, whatever, I'm going for it. <laughs> like, so. So dope. And then, um, I didn't learn anything from Bigger Pockets. Um, check out Ryan if you ever do go down to Dallas. And Propelio helped me out a lot, Creative Finance. I don't know if you looked into them. They're like a free academy. Okay, nice. Um, and they were good. What else? My mentorship is I worked for a dude for like a year and a half. Learning okay. the world and like learning how to structure stuff right out of college. And then I just went into it on my own. Um, so... When when did you actually nice. leave your job? I left my job January 7th of 2016. 11 years to the day. Planned. It was a strategic exit. I'm like, I'm leaving on my anniversary. Like, you're cool. You're, or, or, no, that, never mind. I was going to go into that. Screw you, screw you, screw you, screw you. You're cool, screw you. Like, <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was cool because I saw so many people leave not on their terms, but leave on the company's terms or leave mm -hmm. on, you know. I was like, all right, well, closed my first flip uh, just before that and uh, put my two week notice in, and that was it. I haven't looked back since. Um, what gave you the confidence to leave? Because I, it's a big jump for people to go from a a somewhat guaranteed salary to now you're producing your own income and you are um for lack of better words like you don't have like how much did you have in savings because a lot of people get scared with that too i just all i had really was the proceeds from that flip um so i just cashed in about 44 grand from uh from a flip so okay. i had a nice and that was that gave me so really like there was two things holding me back it was a do i have enough money to survive in the meantime until i get the next deal and then b it was the fear which is actually more a i think was the fear that was holding me there um of the unknown of just going out there and doing something new but you know there's those people that like figure it out as they go and like build the parachute on the way down. I wasn't that kind of person. Like I was too conditioned to receiving a paycheck every two weeks and, you know, like just being able to kind of shelf the problems when I leave and clock out and go home and not have to think about too much business when I wasn't there. And um, so I wanted to make sure if I am going to take some kind of leap that it's going to work and that I'll be able to, you know, I won't end up, kind of fizzling out so yeah. it was important to have at least enough to be able to pay the bills for for a few months and then have the proof of concept that was the biggest thing having like okay bam it works if i can do it once i can do it again and that was it i was like man i couldn't couldn't see myself staying there any longer i mean it felt like it had been probably four years too long anyway but i had a lot of fear I had was very comfortable where I was at. Um, How'd you, you know, overcome the fear, man? How'd you overcome the fear? Uh, realizing that it wasn't, it was kind of a false sense of security. Like the, like having a corporate job for me in the beginning was like, oh man, I got this great job. It's like, you know, job security. Like I felt very secure in my job. Um, until I realized, like, I was like, man, there's, I'm just, ultimately, I'm, I'm a number to this company, to this machine that I've seen it just, you know, people come and people go and, um, you know, they needed me more than I needed them. That's when I had that, I had that, like, realization that, hold on a second, like, if I'm seeing all these people come and go over the years, and now I'm still here. I must be doing something right. So I guess I could be taking these skills and applying them to something where I'm building something for myself for the long term, um, 
where it's not just like, okay, we're going to switch the, you know, metrics that you got to focus on this quarter. And now if, you know, you guys don't make it, then, you know, you're on the chopping block again. And just, I got, I think to the point where I felt like it couldn't get worse. Not that it was like terrible or bad. I mean, it was a uh-huh. good job and all that, but I'm like, man, I got nothing to lose. Like I can always get another job. And up until then, I was really like, oh, this is the best job. I'm so glad I have it and all that. And it's good, you know, to be thankful and all that. But then also, like, I realized, well, I'm not going to lose anything. Like, I can always get another job. There's million, There's literally millions of jobs out there. And if you're hireable, you can get hired again. Like, I wouldn't have been working for this long for these people if I wasn't somewhat of a decent oh, employee. So. Right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of just realized that I didn't like the trajectory where my life was going and mustered up enough courage to be able to be like, hey, well, let me let me try something new. And if it fails, then at least I tried. Right. But uh, did you have any kids? You have any kids or anything? Uh, no kids. No kids. Did so, you have any naysayers? Like, did you have people like in your ear telling you you can't do it or don't do this? It's going to be stupid or anything like that. Uh, not, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um, I mean, I don't think people were really like negative, but more so they're like, just like dude, what are you doing? Like you have a good job, you have benefits, you have vacation, you have, I mean, I had four weeks of paid vacation after after I hit the 10th year. That's what everyone's, you know, going for, you know, the, I got to make my 10 years. So I get that for, and, and it's great. Like in a lot of ways, that job looking back was a lot easier now. I mean, like, like I, I work a lot more now, but it's always on something that I love to do or that I'm passionate about because I'm building something. I don't feel like I'm just trading my hours for, you know, a paycheck and that's it. Like mm-hmm. now I'm trading, I'm still trading my hours for money, but it's, it's money. Plus I'm building something much bigger that, you know, which ultimately will, you know, real estate's awesome. Cause it's, there's so many different avenues to it, but, um, ultimately real estate will become my my source of retirement and um not that i'm planning on retiring anytime soon but um you know with the skills to be able to get under market deals and really just know how to play the game of real estate um i'm like man this is great i can play this for the next 80 years and be cool you don't have to worry about anything because you've developed the skill do you have any rentals now uh, no, actually sold my last rental. Um, and then I started actually before it's funny, before I got into wholesaling, I started with rentals. Cause that was the first, that's actually interesting. You brought that up. That was my first plan out of, of the corporate life was when I first got the idea, like, okay, well, I could get a rental house and then I could probably buy one every few years, maybe three years. And then in about 20 years from now, they would, if I just kept taking the extra cash flow and putting it towards the ones and then paying off the first one, I had this plan where, okay, I could pay off about five houses or six houses in 20 years. And so it cut my 40 year timeline down to 20, but above being at Verizon, but then I was still like, man, that's still 20 years. That's still me grinding for another 10 uh, or 20, like just at a job, like, that I really don't like that much. Um, but I had, I actually started house hacking back in 2011. Um, you know, bought my first house, rented out rooms for about six years, um, built up, it was a great time to buy. So built up a ton of equity, um, sold that one in 2018. Um, my other rental before that, uh, I think I cashed out in like 17. So, because I was realizing, man, I could make at that time, I was like, oh, man, it's all about flips. I can make, you know, if, if I'm making three or four hundred bucks cash flow, it's going to take me like 10 years exactly to make what I can make in one flip. Um, and plus, 
it was a good time. To, I had bought both at a good time when the market was just kind of starting to come back up and, yeah. and then has continued to for the last like eight years. Um, but in, yeah, in 18, I actually sold my last rental and um, just because I built up a bunch of equity. Now, uh, and so then it's been, it's been just a focus of wholesale and flipping, fixing and flipping. Um, stack cash now the long-term plan is continue to fix and flip um but then also basically keep one out of five or so one out of four one out of five that's like a, where it makes the most sense um that's kind of the current the current uh strategy and i i have a friend who lives down in la and he's like oh i want to get into real estate but i want to just start buying rentals and he's a teacher i was like Honestly, the amount of time it'll take you to save to buy the amount of rentals you want really isn't worth your time. You need to get a little bit more creative and maybe use hard money or something else like that. And then eventually you'll go straight into it. It's just so hard with that much cash, like on that type of salary is what I think. And then buying single yeah. families, it's not like you're getting a ton of cash flow. People are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go buy some rentals. Like, you're going to get three to 500 bucks a house. Like, it's not like you're getting thousands of dollars a house. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that other people don't quite get. Like, oh, you want some rentals? Like, oh, these rentals must be rich. You own like five houses, man. You have one thing go wrong. Your cash flow is gone for that year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, I mean, one, yeah, I mean, one major repair. Uh, one of them I was getting sixteen fifty a month for, and the mortgage was like fourteen hundred. So I was like cash flowing two hundred fifty bucks, but it's like, you know, uh, that's what three thousand a year. It's like, you know, compared to so then it goes back to okay, that would take ten years to make the same as I would make on one flip. Um, now I and I really didn't understand a whole lot about, um, kind of just for example, five doors to 10 doors or even four under one roof makes more sense than a lot, in sense. A lot of cases than a single family. Um, just one single, single, you know, door, single family. Um, so I think there is a definitely a smart way to do uh, rental properties. And then there's also like kind of a, a long-term, you know, if you're going for appreciation, that can work too. Um, but I wanted something quicker. You know, I didn't want a 20 year plan or even a 10, you know, I want something where it's like, where I can see, you know, the end of the tunnel or at least not the end, but I can see that checkpoint where in five years from now, like um, my situation is drastically different than, you know, well, sure. where I was. Well, I mean, how, how much did you make your first year in real estate compared to what you're making at Verizon? Like, I'm sure you at least doubled it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was about, it was about, I think I was making pretty good at Verizon. When I left Verizon, I was making like almost 90 a year. Um, but it was over, it was uh, probably 160, 170 in that first year. It was almost double of like, of the, um, of what I had been making. And, uh, and that was just like four flips. So I was right. like, that, that was like, years. yeah. It was like, it's like, kept me busy, but it was like a lot more fun, you know, a lot more entertaining, um, man, and just problem solving and new, new territory all the time, new people with new problems that you're trying to help them fix, you know, trying to solve like, okay, they need to sell, but why do they really need to sell? What's the, you know, reason behind it? How can we figure out a solution for these people that makes it work for everybody that they haven't thought of yet? And that was really the creative side of real estate is really what, what hooked me when they're talking about wholesaling. It was like that creative aspect that I was like, man, this is cool. Cause like, as long as you can come up with something, there's really the playing field is huge as far as like, there's not really like much that's like, I mean, it's whatever you design, like, you know, like the, the out of bounds is so far out that way. And that way it's like, you can like do whatever kind of structure on something that makes sense to pull a deal together. 
Exactly. I, I love the creative aspect of it too. It, it just makes it so much more fun. And Riot, I'm going to send you a DM after that. I was thinking about, because there's no events this year, I'll, I want to attend that one. And Donovan Ruffin is a badass. And then, so, you're, are you married, Jamie? I'm not. You're not? I'm not married, so I didn't have to convince a wife. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I had to convince myself. So, I mean, for me, it was it was about knowing that it would work while I was still at my, I had still had my steady income. So yeah. I think if you can, you know, if you can prove the concept to, you know, wife, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, while you're still doing what you're doing. So they're not, you know, it depends, I guess, on the situation, but that would be my, if they were not like, yeah, go for it. Then I think I'd be like, hey, hey look, this works. You know, how do you like this? Make made a little more money, got a little more time to spend with you. How do you like that? Yeah. And having your uh, James, having your spouse on board, I have a couple friends who are in it, and me and my girlfriend are pretty much married or whatever. And um, like, if I didn't have her fully committed, it'd be like impossible. Because at least for me now, like understanding the hours we put in to get all this shit done and everything else, and see the bigger picture is really hard. And I I don't know, I'd say just do a flip with her and be like, hey, look at all this money we just made. And then that makes them believe or take them, the, um, have them meet people who are in the industry and how it's changed their lives. Is that's the big another, thing. yeah, that's right. great. And it's like real people, you're not listening to podcasts, you're not um, watching TV, it's not like you're watching a bunch of Tony Robbins seminars, you go to Aria and the guy who's sitting next to you is worth a couple million dollars in just assets. And he's like, yeah, well, I left my corporate job. My good friend, Jason Pritchard, is the same thing as you. He sold um, he sold tuition at like University of Phoenix or something. Okay. And then he transitioned into real estate and then, yeah, just had to make that strong transition and get his wife on board. And there was meeting people and proving the concept is there for you. And obviously you believe it, but some people need a little bit more tangible things for it to be real. And then, thank you, Jose. What other questions do I got for you? And so what's, when did you decide to become an agent? Uh, let's see, that was just about two years ago. Um, so after I had been full-time fixing and flipping for about two years, um, I realized that I was leaving about, give or take about 20% of the profit I was pretty much leaving on the table um, for an agent um, to list my property to, to whoever I list ended up listing my property with, you know, you know, if I'm going to make, you know, more or less 30,000 on a flip, probably could make like 36 if I flipped it, if I listed it myself. And at that time I'd worked with enough agents um, selling my properties that I kind of had a good idea of the process and, um, I realized that listing properties is not that difficult. Uh, just, you know, get a process going and, um, especially if they're my own houses. And then, and it's funny, actually you asked that cause now it seems like it's not even a big deal, but I had debated on whether I, or not I should get a license for since back when I was at Verizon, like it's like this constant thing like should you get be an investor with a license or an unlicensed investor and there's i just i think i made a way bigger deal of it than it really is back then but i think also a lot of people do because it's like oh you know does it help you does it hurt you what are your and um i found it i found it hasn't hurt me at all it's only opened more doors um literally and figuratively like where if i'm uh, and it's all in how you position it. It's all in how you present it to the person you're working with. If you're so robotic and you're like, you know, I'm a real estate agent. Like I, um, you gotta be able to, 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 to blend it into the, the interaction in a way that benefits everyone. So for example, like if I'm, and I'm an investor at heart for sure. Like I'd give up my license like that. If I had to, I don't even care about the license, but 
it's been a, like now. So my thoughts now are even different than it was right when I got the license, um, which is interesting. But like, I, I don't really care. You could do it with or without a license. But like now, if I'm talking to a seller uh, or even, you know, over the last two years since I've been licensed, like um, if they don't want to talk to a real estate agent, then I'm really not a real estate agent on the other line. I'm a licensed professional, a licensed real estate investor. I, you know, I happen to have my real estate license because I'm professional. That doesn't bother you, right? No. Okay. Of course not. Yeah. It just, you know, adds more credibility when you position it that way. Um, but if I position it as like, Hey, I'm an agent and I want to, you know, list your property. And then, you know, that's, that's the agent mentality or talk track that they're probably tired of and why they're talking to an investor. Um, but I was kind of stuck on that, like before that I didn't realize like, yeah, you just, you're a licensed professional. It's what you do, you know, and it's never caused any issue um, from someone, someone knowing that I have a license because my primary role is, Hey, I'm an investor. I'm buying from my own company. I'm not looking to represent you in the transaction. I'm representing myself. Um, but it has led to uh, more recently especially with market conditions right now, it's allowed me to pick up um, quite a few just listings where yeah. people want, you know, cause we're doing the, we're doing marketing. Um, so we're getting people interested uh, who want to sell calling back and, and uh, we're talking to them and, you know, sometimes a cash offer or seller finance offer, you know, sometimes I can't make an offer that makes sense for them. And from an investing standpoint, and really the best thing for them to do is list the property. So now it's basically like a trifecta. Like my approach is um, hey, I can make you an offer on your property and buy it directly from you. Um, I also, you know, and if, and if, if I'm purchasing the property for my company, you know, it's got to fit within my business model, but I also work directly with a bunch of other real estate professionals who are either looking to add a property to their portfolio or looking for a project. And I can basically connect you as a seller with one of my buying associates and we'll put a deal together that way. Um, or, you know, if, if it makes the most sense, we can put the property on the market and see what kind of offers come in. So it's basically either I'm buying it, I'm assigning it, or I'm listing it with, and that's kind of the the talk track for leads now that come in. And that usually ends up leading to one of those. Kind of goes back to the optional close thing. It's like, okay, well, I can do any of these three and then just kind of lay out the options and see what makes the most sense. And what do you kind of do? And then I just let, yeah. Do you yeah. have any liability issues, especially being in California and LA? Uh, nothing, nothing, thank goodness, nothing crazy. <laughs> so all so far so good, you know, um, you know, I always disclose that I am an agent or that I have a license. Um, you know, I put that on the, on the, uh, the cash contract now that the buyer may or may not have an active real estate license. Um, and for any, but the biggest thing, I guess the biggest thing I didn't understand that I had to put together before was like, if you're wearing the agent hat, you're representing them as a client. If you're wearing the investor hat, you're representing yourself. And yes, you might have a license, but you're not representing them in any way, shape or form on this transaction. Um, you are representing yourself. And I just make that clear with, with the, with the seller. And uh, that's never caused any, any sort of issue. That's a good way to phrase. I've never heard of anybody phrase it the way you do. I think that's a really good way. Um, so we got that agent pros and cons. What are some of the cons you've encountered? Have you really encountered any? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just other agents. One, well, a pro is that other agents, as soon as they know you're licensed, it's like they, their guard comes down. Like they just talk to you in a different way. They're like, oh, he's one of us, and which is weird, like, because I'm like, uh, I don't know. So it helps in that aspect. Um, the only time where it's ever been, I guess, could be perceived as a negative is 
if you've got that seller who's just tired of talking to real estate agents, they don't want to talk to any more of them. They're sick of it. They don't want to show their property. And that's where I just make it like a minor detail. Oh yeah, I'm a licensed professional, but you know, I just emphasize that, Hey, I'm, you know, this isn't, I'm not looking to list the property. And um, I found most sellers are, they're understanding of that. Like, and I'll, I'll even say, you know, you know, or it will come up that, okay, they would consider selling to me directly or working with me and my company. But if they were looking to list it, they've got Joe or Mary or whoever they always use to sell their properties. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't want to step on any toes. This would just simply be a, a deal directly between seller and buyer, you know, similar to a for sale by owner. And I just kind of like liken it to that. Um, the difference is you're not having to pay the agent because I found the property myself. I'm basically doing all the work that an agent would do anyway. So saves you me saves you money, saves me money, works out better for everyone. I love it. And would you suggest that new investors get their license or no? Depends on what route you want to go. Really depends. I would say you don't you absolutely do not need it. I didn't start with it. I didn't start with it. Um, can, if you want, if you're diving into real estate full fledged and you're willing to, if you're not compartment, you know, putting yourself in like a box as far as, okay, I'm, I'm just a wholesaler or I'm just a flipper. You know, if you're willing to solve people's real estate problems across the board in different ways and you want the most opportunity I would say the license does open more doors and more opportunities. Um, is it a necessity? Absolutely not. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 man, I think everyone has to make that decision on their own, but like even still now, like my retail deals, I, I split them with my agent partner and we do 50 50 on those um, because being a real estate agent kind of isn't my thing. Like it's just not really my thing. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm way more the investor, like style <laughs> type, you know, like, um, so it's not my passion. The investing part's my passion, but I saw the, the benefit of like, okay, I can add to the bottom line with this. So I, I think it really depends on, where you're at in your career of real estate investing, how you're approaching it. Um, you know, if you've got a partner, uh, an agent relationship, um, or I should say a partner who's an agent, you have a good relationship with, um, you know, you can work out a referral type thing too, where, you know, you don't have to become um, necessarily licensed. And, I mean, it goes back, there's so many technicalities and I would get stuck on these technicalities. Like, okay, well, if I'm not an agent, but I give an agent um, a client, then I can't actually receive, technically receive a commission, but okay, look, here's how we get around that. I'm a marketing company. That agent can write a check to Zillow for marketing leads. Well, they could write me a check for marketing leads, you know? So there's always ways to figure out how to work around like, what may seem like barriers in, in the beginning. Yeah. We do something similar with an agent. We refer all of our leads to, cause I don't want anything to do with being an agent. It sounds miserable. And so we just send it all to a friend of mine and he will list all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure, man. I, and as, as I see my investing business growing, I would think that probably it'll benefit me more to not have the license in the next couple of years, just because I won't have time to do that stuff. And I'll be doing a higher, more and more volume to where it's just, it makes sense just to kind of run a marketing department for other agents. And has your broker said anything about you guys wholesaling? No, no, he's uh, super cool with it. Um, I, it goes back to who the broker is though. And that was a big, actually, that's another big thing. Like I didn't, I kind of 
part of the reason I got my license was because of a certain broker that I wanted to work with. Um, okay. So I never went for like Century 21 or Coldwell Banker or even Keller Williams or anything like that. Um, it's a specific uh, company in the LA area. You could call it mom and pop, but it's um, the mortgage guys and ambiance realty. And um, they just have a great commission plan. It's like flat rate um, for, for agents. So there's no like, like the split is insanely good for the agent. Um, so it made a lot of sense. Uh -huh. um, so man, there's it's just, there's so many factors that can where it's like, okay, if you look at my scenario, if someone else was in my exact same set of circumstances, I would say, yeah, I'd probably get the license for a while and then maybe not later on. Um, but it's so hard to give a, you know, a full yes or a full no answer without, you know, understanding what someone enjoys doing, you know, where they see themselves, where they are now, where they want to be in, you know, three or four years from now. And, um, but I would say it can't, it really can't hurt. If you do get it, it can't hurt as long as you enjoy the things that come along with being licensed. And if the, and in worst case scenario, like if you became unlicensed, well, hopefully by that time you've, you've already done enough. You've got enough experience as an investor that you realize you don't really actually need it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about when we were talking the other day about how you took on too many flips, how you got in that situation and what you learned from it. Yeah, that's, that one is, uh, that's, like that's good. Like that's good. That's some... there and nobody talks about that shit where you will overload yourself or yeah. overload yourself thinking like, oh yeah, everything's going good. Then you kind of look down and I go, shit, here I am. Then yeah. like, man, I don't have enough guys. You want to tell yeah. us how you got in that yeah. situation and what it was and how you handled it? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. That's, uh, I think this is the first time I've, spoken about this one publicly because it is it's like one of those things that yeah, you don't really want to shine light on your uh, I have been broken you know, harder time times but <laughs> no, yeah no, it's for sure um and man i mean that's the kind of stuff that you wouldn't sign up for that class if it was being offered <laughs> but like afterwards you're thankful you went through it because you're like damn that just made me better in so many ways but um so i started um, I set some pretty aggressive goals and I wanted to buy, um, really as many houses as I could. And I, and I didn't foresee the, the downsides of that. I'm like, oh man, I buy as many houses as I can. Great. Like the, the thing should have been sell as many houses as I could. I should have been looking at that, the disposition side, like the assigning. Um, but my focus was on buying and acquiring, acquiring, acquiring. So just went all out and just just tons and tons of offers um we were making like 30 offers a day uh for a few months and just it was getting to the point where we were just buy 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 and um you know i didn't see any problem with that until um i ended up with about 10 houses and that i and you know 30 grand in mortgage payments every month and a crew that i couldn't have or actually multiple crews that I couldn't have working at all. I didn't have enough crews to have everything going at once. So just, I had some houses just sitting there. I had some other houses where um, we were looking at doing more long-term projects, um, remodeling, adding square footage um, in a couple, actually in one County here where it's actually kind of difficult, which I had to learn the hard way to do that just because it's like city by city but also, well, city by city and county by county, like you get some that are super quick turnaround. You submit your plans, you know, they'll give you feedback right away. Um, other ones just seem to drag on for months and just have to go through all these levels of approval. And so that kind of bogged me down. I had a couple of houses that we were just sitting there just for months and, um, you know, not cheap, three or four grand a month because um, they're financed with hard money. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh man, it just... And that ad starts adding up really, really quick. And um, 
we were getting through them, but it was like, uh, let's see, it's like one of those, um, I'm trying to think of uh, like an analogy when, okay, a paper shredder. So you stuff 30 sheets of paper in a paper shredder and that thing slows down to yeah. the point where it's just like, eh, just barely grinding through these papers. Uh, so not realizing that my paper shredder wasn't robust enough at that point, uh, meaning I didn't have enough manpower to be working at all these jobs at, at once. I didn't have the knowledge of knowing, okay, the permitting and planning process uh, for these kind of rehabs is going to, could easily take six months. Like this thing could just be sitting there for the next six months, like prepare yourself for that. Um, and as well as um, I was trying to flip them all. I was not trying to assign any of them. And I think that also played into um, to the whole thing of just getting bogged down. I mean, because if I can pull a sheet out, like, you know, if I've got 30 sheets going through and I can pull a sheet out here, then toss those to the side to, you know, for assignment fees, um, then that would have allowed me to go through that sooner. But eventually, you know, the paper shredder is going to make it. It's going to, it's going to cut through all that paper. It might take a lot longer than you thought, but um, I think it could have made the process of getting through it a lot smoother. So I ended up buying too many houses um, and had to kind of clear through that inventory. Um, but then that caused my focus. It pulled my focus. It's crazy how, you know, all these different things, like the factors like tie into each other. Cause then that pulled my focus off of acquiring and it was just like, okay, managing these things yeah. now. And I got all these deals I'm trying to juggle and um, kind of pulled my focus off acquiring new ones. Also pulled my focus off of marketing. Cause I didn't need any more new houses at that time. I was completely like, I had bitten off more than I could chew. Um, so I shut down marketing for a while and that was not smart because not a, I mean, again, it's going to be another six months before you see any type of return on that marketing money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, easy three to six months before you start seeing that, that system start going again. So uh, it's interesting how a positive thing, buying a bunch of houses could turn into something that, you know, you're biting off more than you can chew. And, but I guess they call that growing pains. And when you're trying to, when you're trying to scale, you know, it's not as simple as uh, it may seem. Um, but it definitely helped me learn quite a bit. Um, that mostly was um, in the end of 18 and first half of 19. And then I think I'm clearing off my my plate. I have one, I think I have one, one property left from that period of, of acquiring oh, wow. that, that, I, uh, permits and it's just taken forever. Permits, plans, code violation issues. But, uh, Is it that... was much, it was, it was much worse. It was actually much worse at one point. Um, and so now, yeah, now I'm, but it's, oh man, so much, like I said, so much I've learned from it. It's just like, man, I, now I really, I'm a lot more careful about timeline. Like the biggest thing, the biggest single thing that will kill your deals is how long you hold on to those properties. And um, whether it be a delay from the city or from contractors, or um, those are the main two things that cause it um, is either administrative stuff or either problematic contractors. I've uh, dealt with my fair share of those, you know having to go through and hire and fire different contractors. And I mean, even if they commit to a day that it's going to be done, and even if they're not, you know, there's all these like fail safe things you can put in place. Like you think like, okay, well they signed that it's going to be done this day. They're losing so many dollars a day after that, you know, like there's a penalty even, but at the end of the day, if they don't show up, I'm the one stuck with the property that's still costing me daily to own. Like, yeah, sure. They've agreed on all this stuff, but I'm still kind of at their mercy because now they're 70% through this project and I can't really bring someone new on. Or if I do, it's going to cost more and it's not going to, it's still going to extend the timeline. So it's like, 
and it just ends up being a deal killer with, I mean, properties costing 70 to 150 bucks a day to hold that starts adding up really, really fast. Um, so really now I'm super, super, super conscious of hold times, um, as well as the extent of work that needs to be done. Um, just as far as like, I mean, if something's going to take too long, it's, it's not even, you know, it really has to make sense in the numbers if it's too big of a project. Like um, now I'm shooting for the goal now is just like hot potato, like just grab it, do whatever I have to do to it and then get it as quickly as I possibly can out of my hands. Um, whereas before when I was just focusing on buy, 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 great. But you got then you got to pay, 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 pay until they're done. Exactly. So. Have you, so, I mean, that for sure just taught you cash flow management for one, and then having better systems in place. Have you, do you use all private lenders or all, like, do you use all hard money lenders? I mean, to where I have some of my friends who will work it out at their private lenders to where they don't even pay during the term they have the money. It just gets uh, at the end of it. I and love those once ones. Once everything sells. And that's what yeah. we are trying to work out some of our lenders as well. It's like, I don't want to have just, I want cash flow management. I want us to be able to like not stress out about, man, we got this bill, we got this bill, this contractor. Let's just okay. At the end of everything, if we had to add in some extra points into it, fuck it. Let's do it that way. And it's a lot more peace of mind. Yeah. Oh, big time. That's something that came out of that that whole uh that period of time as well is um I was all hard money up to that point. Um then I started pursuing more private money, but also in building in through all of that, um, I got a bunch of different flips going. I've got people from, you know, that know me asking about how they can get involved. I got neighbors asking, you know, about, oh, so you guys flip houses? What are you, you know, so just having all that activity and all those projects going, that action led to more action. Like it was, it was all, it was like a net positive because it led to more conversations with people who ended up being private lenders um, and more um, basically looking at like, okay, well, what I'm doing right now is working, but I'm really seeing the effect of it, like how the cost that that's associated with this, like, it's not like the trade-off is like, man, okay, now I do have these, you know, all these monthly payments and all this. And then if the house isn't selling, then great. I got to come up with that, like, you know, to cover for these mortgages and stuff. But um, now I am a big fan. I would say it's probably two thirds hard money now and one third uh, private lenders. Um, as far as financing and and now when I work out a deal with a private lender, most of the time we just do accrued interest. Um, and so that, that really kind of, cause I'm like, there's gotta be a better way than this. Like, you know, I'm like drowning in these houses and, and payments and like, damn, like, um, you know, even if I sell one, great, that's a mortgage. Now you, I sell one house, cool, clear 30, 35 grand. Perfect. Now I just made the mortgage payments for all these houses for the month. Great. <laughs> when do I get paid? <laughs> like, so, uh, the accrued interest, getting pay, paying it at the end of the loan, way way better. Most of our private lenders do that now, um, and it's just so much easier and so much more flexible. You know, you don't have to jump through all the hoops. I generally will get the repair money up front, all in one lump sum, versus through hard money lenders having to submit for draws, and and that works, you know, but. Um, it's so easy. Like I had a deal come across my desk the other day and, um, we put it under contract, um, called this private lender and she was like, okay, great. I can be there tomorrow at your office with a check. Just tell me, you know, the amount and, and it's like, it's so easy, like so easy. And just dropped it off. And, um, that's the way I, I see that, like, Oh, this business doesn't have to be such a strain. So it's like just getting better as you go at 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 the craft, 
you know, figuring out, okay, there's one way to do this. There's one way to facilitate this purchase, which is hard money, but there's also a better way. And yeah, hard money is great in the beginning because you can probably just Google it and find someone. But, you know, once you get a track record, once people start seeing what you're doing, once you start building relationships with more people, private money is just so much better. Yeah. And so what was the number one thing you learned from it? Like that, I don't even know how I'd get through that. That is a lot of mortgages and you are a great talker. So that's probably how you got through it with your hard money lenders. But what was the number one thing you did learn from that overall? Ooh, number one. Let's see. There's don't shut off marketing. Great Keep one. the deals flowing unless you're unless you're going unless you're closing the doors for good. Don't shut off marketing, um, but disposition the deals differently. Just basically, okay. If I'm searching for four deals a month, I want to flip four homes a month, for example. Okay, great. Well, keep up the marketing for that. Say you've filled up your four slots. Great. Keep talking to those sellers. Assign them. Put those out, you know, to somewhere to someone else, because that's a big. It's not a learning curve, but it's almost like the equivalent of a learning curve. Like any marketing, like is it's going to take some time, like, and it's got to get fine tuned again. And it's got to get like, you can turn something on and off and great. It'll start working and producing results pretty quick, but to get back into the stride or oh, to no like, no you know, way. where it's a, where it's finely tuned and you know, it's, you, it's predictable. Like that takes a while. Like it just takes like almost with anything, it's going to take minimum three months, but more likely six to get, things dialed in again um so i would always keep marketing going like there's no there's no reason not to um aside from that don't bite off more than you can chew and uh just approach deal by approach each deal deal by deal the same way because that's one thing i got away from was like in the beginning when i was just focusing on one flip okay it's just one flip this one flip is my whole life that i'm Right now, it's like I'm dedicating every resource I have to this time and energy wise. That level of care really has to be taken with every single deal. Like it can't be like you start, you can't lose sight of like all the little details, even if you're trying to do 10 or, or more deals. Someone has to be on it. If it's not me and I'm focusing on just acquiring, acquiring, acquiring. Someone needs to be treating each individual deal like it's their baby. And because yeah. um, then that's when hold times start getting extended. And that's when, you know, something's not getting attention because your attention's over here. Then the money is just still just racking it. Ching, 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 ching. The, the lender is just counting, just, oh, just getting excited. Just every, every payment that comes in. And um, man, it's just like, if you're going to scale, it's still each, you have to be in a place or just allocate the resources so that each project still gets the same level of attention as if it was that just that one project that it's going to make or break you like that one house. Cause if I treated every single deal like that, like it was my first, then, you know, they would have got more attention and that's where that hurt too. I love it, man. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you? Um, you have any promo codes to shout out, any products? Um, I know you have your academy. Let's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so Friendly Flipper Academy. I decided to put together an academy, a virtual online learning experience where I also coach directly um, to give people the resources, the knowledge, and everything that they need from A to Z basically to be who I needed when I was at Verizon Wireless. When I was still in the corporate world, like I had to go all over the place to find all the answers. And so I thought, okay, what if there is one place where someone can go, they're in my shoes, they want to get out of that life. Let me put something together for that. So then that birthed Friendly Flipper Academy. And that was uh, uh, my way now of, of basically giving back, being able to be Let's bring other people into this real estate, creative real estate industry. Um, so you can get more info on that, friendlyflipperacademy.com. Um, and to connect with me, the best place is Instagram um, or YouTube. And on both, it's The Friendly Flipper.
Sweet, man. Thank you so much for coming on again. Hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks, Strat. Anytime, man. And then if you guys want to learn more about me, you can find me on Instagram, here on Facebook. And again, if you guys are looking for cold callers, we have the best in the country. Callmagicians.com and set up a strategy call with our team. And then if you guys are looking for the best data, go to rocketskiptracing.com. Thank you so much. You got it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Winning Move Podcast. I hope it helps you make all the right moves in your life and business. Please make sure to go like and subscribe on any podcast platform that you're listening to. And make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you soon.